Hello, everybody. Today, I have the joy of welcoming to our community author and brain injury survivor, Carolyn. Um, she goes by the pen name C. Ray Johnson. Carolyn, how are you doing today? Hi, very good. How are you? Fine, thank you. I'm so glad to have you on board. Um, we got a chance to chat a little bit, and I can't wait to just share your energy and your love and your vision with our audience today. I would like to go ahead and um, give you the opportunity um, to just take the mic and tell us a little bit about your vision, educating others through your empathy and the compassion and your experience and your personal story as a brain injury survivor. Okay. Um, I had a uh, traumatic brain injury and then it led into uh, post-concussion syndrome because I had a little second impact. Um, injury with that and it kind of turned into what they thought was an autoimmune disease and now I also have fibromyalgia. So I'll go back and it all started uh, back in uh, 2014 of May and my injury uh, wasn't like a typical injury say from a car accident or anything. We have a couple dogs that are a little bit larger size and the way our house is set up is in a loop and they were playing one day uh, ch chasing each other around and I just happened to bend down to pick up one of my son's toys and the larger of the two, uh, he's a Samoyed, he's like all power and his head's like a, a, like a brick. He happened to run into the left side of my head um, right around the temple area. So he affected a couple lobes and uh, I didn't lose consciousness, but um, I saw all red at the time and, and I had some very excruciating uh, different forms of headaches and pain and jaw pain, I had trouble eating. Um, my, I had headaches ranging from uh, crushing, burning, uh, wet sensations from the nerves affected on the side of my head. Uh, I felt, felt like I had like a steel rod basically going through my head. Uh, my symptoms were starting to get worse. I did what you should not do. I waited three days and I, and I should know better because I have a nursing background, but with sometimes with a medical background, you almost think you have that little bit of in, invincible part to you that you know you'll be fine you don't need to go um, but uh, my symptoms kept getting worse so on the third day I decided to go um, and I started noticing other symptoms such as um, feeling like I really wasn't there in in this realm like I could I couldn't really focus on myself if I were to look in the mirror if I looked at my hands moving. If I tried to eat or do anything, they would leave like there was like a tracking. So I would, my brain would pick up leftover images of movement. And I just felt like I really, uh, like even worse in a dream state, like it just really wasn't present. And it was just hitting me in so many ways, every, all my senses. Um, and it just kind of over, overwhelmed me completely. And uh, it would hit on emotional levels. I would just start to cry from too much uh, stimuli. It could be stimuli of movement, sound, hearing, just everything. Uh, so when I did finally go to the ER, uh, they said, yeah, I, you know, I, they ran CAT scans. And, and um, I did have a traumatic brain injury. And then they hooked me up with a um, concussion specialist. And from there, I've seen uh, different concussion specialists. And I've had whiplash, I've had various therapies, uh, speech therapy to learn to talk. Again, I had trouble walking as well too because I think the way it hit, it, it affected my speech centers, it affected my balance, my proprioception. I didn't really know where I was at in time and space. I had trouble walking, everything was to the right. I would tip to the right. If I tried to speak, 
I knew the words I wanted to say. I knew they were in my head somewhere, but it was trying, it was almost like I was trying to find the right word out of some huge file to say it, to communicate. And I couldn't, um, I had trouble enunciating words and uh, just, I would stutter and it would take me a period of time just to get a word out, which would make the listener <laughs> very frustrated because they would want to have you hurry up to or say the word for you. And so it made communication very difficult. Um, so I, if I would try to communicate pen and paper, uh, my penmanship went back to like uh, probably like a three-year-old, four-year-old where I could probably put a word, one word on a piece of paper. It was very jagged letters just to try to form everything. So I, um, it took a while to relearn to do everything. And at the time, uh, I was a personal trainer and my husband and, and my husband is as well. We were used to lifting heavy, um, you know, like flipping tires and so forth. Um, so I noticed a little bit with when I was starting to do the heavy lifting or having my head hang lower uh, when I would try to do certain um, exercises that the, with the blood rushing to my head, it was causing too much intracranial pressure and my symptoms were starting back slowly but at the same time I had like a second impact injury and it really wasn't much it was just a light light tap on the back of the head from my other dog just playing with him and it was just enough for me to roll back to just slightly tap my head but my symptoms were coming on so combining both that and the heavier lifting they they it was it was almost like I went back to square one, like I was in the immediate stage of injury again in the acute stages. So I was back to the concussion specialists again, and they were baffled, you know, why these symptoms were coming back. Um, one of the ones I went to, he was uh, doing some studies on a treadmill, and he thought that if you could walk on the treadmill that you were perfectly uh, fine and you no longer had post-concussion syndrome. Um, which isn't the case because I would practice walking and I would go to the park to practice and practice and get better. Um, you know, sneak off there <laughs> by, my, by myself, tipping a little bit just to, to do more to get better. And even when I got up a good pace of walking, I still had the other cognitive issues uh, that are so prevalent with post-concussion syndrome. And um, I went to different neurologists. And again, you run into uh, probably... Anywhere in the medical field, you're going to run into uh, some physicians that may be more helpful than others. Um, but one of the neurologists I went to, they were more clear-cut textbook case saying, you know, concussions don't last past two weeks. Um, but that's not the case and uh, because they do last much longer. And even if you find, uh, when you talk to other survivors of traumatic brain injury who go through post-concussion syndrome, they still have symptoms for years, some 15 years and up. I mean, it's just, uh, it, I have a, a concussion support group page I started on Facebook, it's Traumatic Brain Injury and Post-Concussion Syndrome Group, and there are a lot of people on there that are daily struggling with this and, and struggling with going to the doctors with their symptoms. And it is a struggle because there, a lot of people in the medical community aren't quite sure how to treat it because they tend to treat 
the symptoms rather than the root cause. So if somebody may come in anxious, say, because if their proprioception is off or if they're hypervigilant because uh, sounds bother them, they may seem to be anxious. So you may find that doctors may want to treat the underlying or the cause thinking it's anxiety and not the underlying cause. Uh, and I had that happen to me as well. And um, with the hypervigilance, that happens a lot with a post-traumatic stress disorder with the soldiers. And mine, even though mine wasn't um, something fearful when it happened, because I, I didn't even see it, I was sidelined by it, and it wasn't like a car accident, like I saw the car coming and I would remember, and I'm not afraid of the dog whatsoever, but in the brain, you know, your memory, they will, it will hold on to memories. And as a self-protective mechanism, sometimes you become hypervigilant. So that would cause a little disruption. I would be jumpy with sounds coming from behind me. If a car, if I was walking and a car was approaching from behind, I would jump or somebody riding their bike or running. It's that whoosh sound from behind. Um, so a good way to combat that is if you're in whatever setting you're in, if you're sitting down even in a, in a, uh, in a room and there's other people in there to have the wall behind you or to have a booth, something behind you to block the sound, to kind of combat that. And I've also found to help with sound issues is um, wearing high fidelity earplugs, like what music musicians use because they block out certain sounds that could be disruptive and even in group settings if you have to uh, be around more than a couple people because your brain will pick up every noise every chatter you know you won't believe the amount of noises that are really out there that you nor a, a healthy brain may filter out where suddenly now you hear everything and and it can be even in your own home uh, you could easily become overwhelmed doing dishes, say, because you have the water running, the dishes clanging, the phone rings, if somebody talks to you, if the dog barks, they all compound and they take a toll. So your brain is trying to decipher from each one of those sounds and it can become overwhelming very easily. And then with that, it could start to sh shut down non-important things for your body, like your speech or like your, your, your gait, your balance. And that's, that's what would happen to me frequently. Um, it was very hard to walk into a, a restaurant setting. I, I just couldn't do it the first uh, couple years. Um, but then with the earplugs, it was better. I was able to, to stay around that. And I had to keep my focus. I couldn't even look at a lot of people because then my brain would pick up all the movements of everybody, all the, they're doing, they're moving, their hand gestures, walking, everything. And um, so I had to be careful with that. And uh, walking into a school, an elementary school at the time was just an absolute nightmare because uh, when my son had an, an event in the gymnasium, uh, it was like a, a, an event where they were displaying things. So there, not only is there much movement, much sound, there's high pitch voices from younger children's voices. And it was just in the flooring, everything as you're trying to walk, your brain just picks up everything. And, um, and that would immediately send me off completely overwhelmed. Uh, I would just start to cry because that's my reaction. I couldn't handle barely even walking. Then I had to go sit in the car, you know, and, and avoid it. Um, so the 
the brain is just so intricate in what it does is the control center for your whole body. And when you have an injury like this, the impact is, is just, you know, it's tremendous and it, and it's different with everybody because it, it depends on where they're hit, how hard, how hard the force was, you know, how many lobes are affected, you know, each lobe has, has their, you know, is responsible for controlling, you know, various body parts and taking the information in and everything. So I, I, I had all, all that, you know, and, and more. Um, so, and then after my, um, what had happened was after I, my various doctor's visits, um, I've always been um, a woman of faith. Um, but when I, I had the injury, um, you know, obviously I had to go home and, and, and just lay down and do nothing uh, from being busy and multitasking to nothing. And my brain was in the way it was, to me, it was, it just like shut down. I had nothingness in my head from having those pop-ups of thoughts all the time. And I have to do this and multitasking to just not a thought in my head. I, it, it just was not like me. It was just, it was just completely shut down to heal. Uh, but I remember um, a point where one of the points where God had met me and started me on my journey of writing and how that came into, into being. Um, while I was laying down recovering, I would fall into a series of dreams and, and they would start off um, in, they were consecutive dreams, about three or four dreams, and they would start off that I was approaching a boat, and in the dream, I knew it was um, Peter, the Apostle Peter, at the helm, and I walked on, and I went, and I saw, you know, I saw the Lord, and I went, and I sat down, and he would hold my head, and at the time, I thought, well, he's healing my head. I, I knew enough in the dream that I had a brain injury, um, but later, I'll mention it was just so much more to that. So we would, back to the dream, we would get into the boat and go down a channel and Peter would say, a storm is coming. And all along the channel, it was just a beautiful greenery on both sides and a storm would be coming. It would first start off as being foggy. The visibility was greatly diminished and I could see a rainbow up ahead, but we could not make it there. And then I would wake up and I would, the next time I would fall asleep, I'd fall into the same dream again, the same thing, Peter at the helm, I'd go, put my head down, Lord would hold my head, we'd go off, Peter would say, a storm is coming. Uh, this time it would be more intense uh, in, in his voice, in his urgency, and the visibility would become worse. Um, it, 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 was, it would start to get snowy, and, and it was just, everything would happen the same, and then I would wake up until the last of, of the, in the series of the dreams, the storm was so bad that you could not see anything. And the intenseness in Peter's voice in the dream uh, was just so urgent, so abrupt, so loud, but you, you could not miss it. it. It just hit you in the gut. And I was gestured to look in the water. And in the water, uh, it was a murky, murky water. And there were, um, there were like tadpoles, but with human faces. And he, then said very calmly, let's go fishing. And I woke up and from that, it was placed on me to start writing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lost people in the world and I needed to write and get 
whatever I went through pertain to the brain injury, pen to paper out there um, for others to read. So in the hopes that they could start seeking God, seeking real help in their life through their, through their struggles. And, um, and at the time I, you know, I was kind of baffled because I, I could barely talk. I couldn't write. I'm trying to read, at, you know, to focus. It would take me forever to read like a paragraph. It could take me just forever. Um, but I was determined. I just didn't know how. Uh, I couldn't look at a TV or look at a computer because my brain would pick up everything behind it, all the, the pixels, and I, I couldn't even look at it. But when I tried in faith and I would get on the computer, you know, knowing, okay, I have to do this, when I started to do research and write my own um, experiences down, I was able to focus on the computer screen. I was able to stay on and I was starting to heal. And, but if I veered off, if I looked up anything else unrelated, um, I, I had to get off. It was too much for me. So um, here we are a few years, four years, four, four and a half plus years later. And by the grace of God, I've been able to, to pen some books, um, uh, self-publish. Uh, I have seven to date out. I'll be publishing another one next month, and three of them are brain injury related. And I, you know, only by the grace of God and what God can do through you, you know, no matter what happens to you in your life, your circumstance through a brain injury, through a brain injured individual to be able to, um, you know, right, right. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Now, in, in your books, um, also one thing that I that you had spoken about with your vision that you pride yourself in the books you wanted to write is that you really wanted to give real people real solutions and, yes. and real information they could implement. You know, brain brain science is is not easy. You know, uh, they we we've had played some videos and, uh, and written some elements on how the brain works. When you start talking about the intricacies of, of the brain and you go to these, you know, when you're going to doctor's offices and you're learning all of a sudden, a lot of the information is textbook, like you said, medical yeah. research or, you know, that textbook and that you really wanted to bring to people real life situations and solutions that they could implement in yes. daily life. And, and as a background with a nurse and then working, you know, as a um, personal trainer in health and fitness and finding that balance between um, the Eastern and Western um, medicine and the introducing medications when necessary, but allowing your body to heal on the natural element. Yeah. Um, would you like to share with us some of those real life solutions that you had mentioned that people can truly implement and that, that would, they would be able to find in some of the specific books? Yes, I you know I think that that's the thing when when um, a lot of physicians are textbook educated and they can be very smart and very good at what they do, but just like anybody, you don't know unless you know and unless you've experienced it. And I notice a difference when I've uh, talked with physicians that have experienced it within their family or they actually see it. Just like anybody, you don't know, you don't realize somebody's had a brain injury. You may see them reacting because they're overwhelmed, they're bombarded, their brain's completely bombarded, they can be hypervigilant, you know, and they're reacting and you look at them and you might think, oh, you might see, okay, they're stumbling, they're stuttering, they're staggering, and were they drinking already or are they on something? You don't realize something deeper is going on. And a lot of this is, is true in, in medicine because they 
you know, tend to see what they see because they can't see internally really what's going on when there is such a disconnect in your system. When you have a brain injury, you can easily have damage to the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. And once it happens, you have a disconnect going throughout your whole body. You know, your, your, your body is not getting the right amounts of uh, hormones and neurotransmitters and, you know, amino acids every, where, it, where, it, where it needs to go to help you. So your body's reacting and you're reacting and you're becoming overwhelmed. And the simple, simple solutions can be so practical, such as the earplugs that I mentioned. They're such a godsend, such a, they're such a tremendous little quick, easy tool that you can order online and they come in a little cylinder you could stick in your pocket, hook to your belt loop. And if you find yourself in a situation where there's other people around, uh, pop them in and they drown out the high-pitched sounds, the bothersome noises. And you wouldn't even believe just even going into a store, I could walk into, I mean, at first a grocery store was too much. It was just, your brain picks up every item on the shelves, the flooring, the movement, the lights. Fluorescent lights are horrible, <laughs> you know, but you, it's hard to avoid fluorescent lights because they're widely used everywhere. Even if I went into a smaller store, like a very small uh, dollar store, say, very smaller, much smaller, less people, it was still overwhelming. So something uh, such as wearing earplugs to drown out noise, sunglasses uh, to drown out certain lighting. Um, a lot of times if something is reflective, like if you have a lighter color car, or uh, say you have a white house next to you and the glare comes through the window, that could be enough to set your symptoms off. And you could do something simple as putting up um, like a window decal to kind of diffuse the light coming in and block bothersome glares. Um, little things like that help, help a great deal. Um, memory is, is an issue. It's still an issue with me. I will forget. It's hard for me to retain information. I keep tons of notes everywhere. Um, I'm always writing, highlighting, taping, <laughs> taping to the coffee pot, whatever. I have a problem when it comes to, I, I still get overwhelmed in the kitchen uh, when it comes to preparing food, and I forget the stove's on all the time. I cannot leave the room. I will forget. I don't know what it is. It's just, I cannot. My brain does not, it's not clicked yet to heal enough with that. So something simple as wearing a bracelet to kind of remind you. And I tried that in the beginning, but then I forgot that I had the bracelet on. So then I put a jingle bell on there. This way, any, it was like a purposeful, helpful trigger that I would hear the jingle bells to remind me, okay, I got the, I would look, now I see the bracelet. Now I remember, okay, I have the stove on. Or if you're, you know, in the middle of doing anything, any reminder, you can set alarms. Uh, with, you know, most of us have cell phones and that's a quick, easy thing to set an alarm to something to remind you if you have to, you know, take medicine, you have an appointment, you, it's time to cook, <laughs> you know, it's time to get the kids going to bed, whatever, you know. Like just implement, implementation and stuff. Yeah. If, if you don't mind, if I could take you back to um, when you were sharing the story about being at your um, your child's school and you're in the gymnasium and all that oversensory and and that's what a lot of, um, you know, you see like with PTSD or these elements where it's literally yeah. an invisible, it's an invisible journey. And um, when some, some people are familiar with my son's story and, and how 
to the outside, the teachers and, and things that like, you look fine. Why aren't you in school? And then, right, you know, yeah. him feeling even as a young child, people don't believe me. And it's what something's wrong with me. And, and I even see in older individuals, it's like that moment where you have to, where you get that connectivity to recognize there's nothing wrong with you. Every concussion is different. And what mm -hmm. most people don't realize is that they say, well, you were just hit on one side of the head. Most people are not aware that after a concussion, when you have a few neurons begin to disintegrate and there's a metabolic cascade and this, this yes. um, domino effect that occurs that you could be hit on one side of the brain. And because as those brain cells disintegrate and those sodium potassium pumps are knocked loose and they release more neurotransmitters, it's literally almost like you're in a huge coliseum and everyone's doing the wave and you see that wave, it travels. Yeah. As neurons die and dissipate, they release neurotransmitters that offset the homeostasis of the neuron next to it or the brain cell next to it, which mm -hmm. in turn, knocks off the sodium potassium pumps, releasing more neurotransmitters. And it literally, like a domino effect, the black cloud of neuron cellular death can literally just flow over the brain. Yeah. So it's 48 hours, this metabolic cascade can occur. And so what may seem as though it was nothing, a staggering 40% of injuries that are on sports-related injuries or concussions show no symptoms at the sign or the onset of the concussion. And so at that moment where people are saying, that was a nothing, shake it off, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Could you take us to that place for those people that may be still there where they're feeling like, am I, is this something more? Or just haven't gotten to that place where they recognize, okay, this isn't me. I am not making this up in my head, though right now there may be some disbelief surrounding me because that can be a, a kind of a lonely place. And that's a place where you have yeah. to transition from that element of acceptance before you <coughs> those next step solutions to recognize it's okay. And, and, and then they can begin the recovery phase. Could you share with us how you felt at that time where your life had changed during that transition and that? Yes. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a lonely place. It really is because it's a hidden injury. You know, they, nobody can tell you mostly, you know, they'll say, well, you just got your clacter on. Oh, you just bend your head. You're fine. Oh, oh so-and-so had a concussion. They're fine, but they don't realize. And there's other aspects too. If you're female, if you're over 40, if you've had prior head injuries, they all come into play. Your diet, you know, was it an inflammatory diet to begin with? It's going to make it worse. And it, it is hard because even it's, and it's hardest when it's the people that are closest to you that don't recognize it or they'll, you know, make fun of how you're behaving. They, you know, like if you're overwhelmed and you start to cry, then they're like, what the heck is she a baby? You know what I mean? Or, you know, your kids, um, maybe the older kids, they're used to mom, you know, having it all together and go, go, go. And they're like, you know, asking you, can you take me here? And you, you can't even barely find your way to the chair to sit down, let alone get in a car and drive. And they don't understand and they lash out and they get angry. And it's, you just, you have to just accept where you're at and you, you, you get to your, your quiet place and, you know, and you rely on God. And I found through that, I mean, there was a time when it was just me, me and God, that, that's it. Because the fighting got so bad, even within my own household. Um, everybody was fighting and you know in my it was hard for my husband to relate because he knew me as his partner in personal training and we just were starting another business together so to him 
And I didn't realize this until one of the past radio shows when he got to speak for a few minutes, uh, when the question was posed to him, well, how did this change in your life? And, and he said, well, I, I lost my partner, you know, my wife, you know, she's completely different. I went, you know, he went from me taking care of him to now roles reversed. He had to take help take care of me. I mean, I'm, I'm able to, you know, bathe in all that kind of thing. But as far as maybe meal preps or, you know, having to go do the litter box, say little things that people don't really think of doing the dishes because they're going to pile up if I'm laying on the couch and nobody's going to do them or help out with the laundry. It becomes an overload of other chores that, you know, you may not necessarily count on. Um, you know, if I'm not running off or taking care of the bills now because I can't even, my, you know, cognitively thinking, I can't even look at a piece of paper, let alone figure out what's on here. This is a bill and I have to pay it. You know, like I just, I didn't understand and even help my son with homework. At the time he was in um, second grade and his homework, I try to look at, I remember looking at the paperwork and it was just, I, I could not understand the words. It was almost like a foreign language, English you know, my native language, looking at the paper, I could not recognize letters. And I, I and I just could not help him. So the added responsibility went upon my husband. So it was a lot of stress and a lot of stress within the household. And we, we have a blended family. And uh, um, my, my, my daughter at the time was a little bit lashing out and now she was really lashing out. So the, the I mean, it was just, it, it was overwhelming. There was a lot of fighting and it was a lot of aloneness because people did not understand. And even the, the um, outs, outside or the um, not so immediate family, but the extended family, you know, they've had uh, people within their immediate families have concussions. Oh, they play soccer. They got a concussion. They're fine. They're on their third concussion. They're good to go. What's the matter with you? you and know, now society is realizing CTE is really is really rearing its ugly head. And these um, small concussive blows now, as research starts to look, what we thought didn't exist is actually truly there. And you know, when I hear you, you speak of really how it affects the family as a whole. Um, in the concussion recovery guide, we have the third section, the aftermath. And a focal point is on stress and stress reduction and relaxation meditation because okay. stress impedes healing, right? Yes. And, and when you are in a stressful state, you cannot, you cannot heal. And it's like in anything. I mean, we know that stress is bad for us. You know, we know stress can cause ulcers, stress headaches, stress this. And the biggest challenge that I have seen, one of the largest ones during the recovery process surrounding the families and the actual concussed um, individual is that they need to be able to be at peace and rest. And usually yes. because it's affecting, like you said, the control center of your body, everything you do, it's like you, you truly do not have that respect for your mind and your brain power until you begin to lose it or you don't have it at you know, its availability. It affects every element, every single thing you do. So yes. if you're a student, you're piling, your homework's piling up and people may not believe you. If it's your, you know, in the workplace, well, now you're falling behind on work and there's bills in emotional relationships like you stated that you know, as a mother, you are the nucleus mm -hmm. and the glue of your family. And then if you're a professional athlete or just an athlete in general, your coaches, your, your team, Teammates, people are expecting you to step up. So it's yeah. that constant out of all the injuries, 
not taking the legitimacy away from any other injuries, but if you have a terminal illness, people expect you to rest to heal. If you have right. a broken bone and it's in a cast or a sprain right. and it's small and it's black and blue, people expect you to rest it. When mm -hmm. you have a neurological brain injury or, or, or something, this invisible you know, element, Mm -hmm. There is not that rest it. There's not. And so you almost, the empathy wears off fairly quickly, I've noticed. And yeah. the stress becomes just a, just stacks, things stack. Mm -hmm. And then it tends to be a lonely battle. And then you tend mm -hmm. to ask yourself, what's wrong with me? And then they tend to sit there and be like, I need to step up in the emotional stress that this, it, it really becomes so much bigger for the individual than it, it is. Does. Yeah you know, implementations into fact to recognize I need to refuel. I need to de-stress. If I want to heal healthy eating, you know, yeah. slowing down the life, stilling the noise. Sometimes like, look, you, you have been able to create beautiful books, books of inspiration and real life practical, you know, uh, awareness and just helping and reaching out and, and, and authentically opening yourself up to people because of this. And, and when things get tough, if instead of panicking or being anxious, we can really mm -hmm. just say, hey, let's all go to the blackboard. Let's all take out, these are the needs, these are my immediate needs, and really put a game plan, like mm -hmm. anything else, and, and, and a real a system into place so that we can support not only the concussed individual, but maintain life as a family or as a nucleus or, or, or any elements and recognizing limitations. When did you get to the point where when you recognized these are my limitations, and, and you begin to implement some of these the steps. What did that do for you as far as that internal um, journey battle or that weight you were carrying? How did you make that transition from accepting, all right, it's not me, now here we go. And, and then when did you kind of like hit the ground running in, in, in your own family and your life? What did you put into play? I, I think, you know, when I needed to go off by myself, I realized that I, I need that quiet. I, I need this. Everything around me, the storm going around me needs to stop or it has to handle, they have to handle things on their own. You're at that point and you think you can't handle it and that, that, that will come in. You know, God never gives you more than you can handle, but sometimes he brings you to that point where he gives you that just that little bit that you really think you can't handle it because it gets you to look up to him and to seek him. And then you realize through him and only him, are you able to handle it because it's through his grace and his strength. And I think with me going through all that, it was just sat on me, um, you know, in my heart, you know, my grace is sufficient for thee. I really focused on that. And, and his strength through my weakness. And I knew this is just, there's just so much weakness because it hit me on every level. I mean, relationally, outwardly with friends, relationally inward, you know, my, my family, you know, with, with the kids, my husband, job, career, finances, for sure. I mean, every angle, health-wise, I mean, what was left? This was, could have been a detrimental bad, but God changed it for, for good. And, and with this, though, when you, when you get hit, when you get knocked down, and you get knocked down, and you get knocked down, and you get to a point where you are so knocked down that you can't see a way up, you know, and that's the time when you get to a point, you get so down, and, and, and it's frustrating, too, when you go to the doctors for help, and you're not finding the help you need, or you get some therapy, it helps a little bit, but, you know, you go back to the doctor, and they're, you know, they don't 
quite understand because they're seeing you come in with symptoms and they're thinking you should be healed. So it is almost that disbelief that you think nobody's believing you. And you almost think like, I know I'm not crazy. This is just like, you can't handle it. All that's gone on in your head. You just want to hold your head and just like plop, you know, and, um, and I've had that where the enemy, you know, whispering in my ear and, you know, talking to me and about, you know, that's it. I should just end it. And I got to that point where I, I almost did. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've said this on, a, on, a, on another show and it's, you know, it, it is personal and, um, but I think people need to hear this and, and I know I can't be the only one going through this, you know, uh, when there's detrimental things that happen to people, um, depression can set in. And I'm not one to say that I've suffered from depression, but sometimes circumstances can bring about depressive circumstances. Especially neurological injuries, because there's a yes. true neurotransmitter imbalance. Right, and, and the imbalance. The, 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 the serotonin, dopamine, neurotransmitter, GABA, yes. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I talk about that in, in the uh, autoimmune disease and fibromyalgia one book and um i got to that point where i, I know i i had to have been low because i was depressed i was crying all the time i couldn't i could not function i could not like i'm thinking what, what good is it now you know life uh, wrongfully thinking that so i mean i got to the point where i you know i i had a blade at an artery and i knew where the artery was obviously from my background and i was ready to push in but i cried out that last cry of hope like god i don't want to do this help me god heard me in my cry and he will you know hear you in yours and i knew right then that everything was going to be fine that you know god has has it he had it all you know and not to listening to the negative thoughts that's it your life is over give up you know no it's like i'm not giving up i'm going to push through this you know so i basically like you know got back up in my whole stance of my life and and push forward through this you know fought for it fought for the marriage fought for the family fought to get better i'm going to do this i'm going to write i'm going to just i'll get better you know and i just did it and i'm, I'm taking the right nutrients and do the right exercises, do what I got to do and know God has the rest, you know, not listen to all the noise and the, you know, all that storm going on around, but just tunnel vision, eyes on God and, and go. Thank you so much for just really sharing that. It's very personal and, and, and being that authentic because we know that the mind is the injury and the mind is also the battlefield. It is. Yeah. And it is a, it is very much an invisible, invisible journey. And it is one that when it's somebody close to you that you, that you love, and in this case, it was my son. And I saw an active boy that loved life just become intrusive and, and depressed and, and suffer with little miniature seizures, you know, and his sister is just saying, I want my brother back, you know, and we're seeing our professional athletes, you know, get violent and it becomes a new scene, you know, and a shocker or they're, and they're taking their lives. And it truly is something that I think awareness is very necessary, letting people know they do have a community where they can go and connect with people that do understand. So they know not only are they not crazy, but they, they can also share their story. I want you to, if, if you wouldn't mind sharing the name of your Facebook group again with okay. the audience so they can go ahead and look it up if they'd like to. Traumatic Brain Injury TBI post-concussion syndrome PCS um, support group. If you want to look up D. Ray Johnson is mm -hmm. actually her pen name and you have your blog, what's your author's blog? If they want to go ahead and look at the, your books. 
I have, uh, it's on crayjohnsonauthor.com. And then that's where you'll they'll be able to find, you'll be able to find all of C. Ray's um, resources, more mm -hmm. on her story, more on the development with fibromyalgia and how she is still currently battling inflammation in her body and continues to. And I look forward to having um, Carolyn back with us to even talk about more steps, how we do implement in brain health, vitamins, nutrients, and phytonutrients, and anti-inflammatory diets to actually help mm -hmm. the onset of and help the recovery process. There are very real ways that you can help your, your brain heal. Some of them are, like we talked about today, some situational implementations, putting together some structures, some systems, some recovery elements and solutions that we will offer our listeners um, free resources from keystoconcussions.com, some meditation techniques, connect with those around you, connect with a community, and really just be authentic and vulnerable and, and accept where you're at in order to continue the steps forward. What would be your message or the biggest takeaway in your life if you could leave one element with our, with our listeners today in the community, be it a TBI survivor or a caregiver, what would be one of your biggest takeaways? To accept where you're at, where you're at at any, any day. Um, you may have a good day and you may have some bad days afterwards, but you just have to accept where you're at and get to know and like the new you and have that courage find that courage within you and that hope to keep going forward to pierce to persevere um because things are going to get better just look on have have a brightness you get to see a light and know that you're never alone you know god is there and he is able and willing and does and will bring you the resources and the people and everything you need to get through just even the little struggles from the little struggles to the big ones his presence will go with you we have truly been blessed today in speaking with caroline for those of you that would like to reach out with your inspirational story or just share your story with the group, I encourage you to come out to our website, www.keystoconcussions.com, the Contact Us page, and share your story. We'll choose you to either be featured on our Facebook page or possibly even be contacted to be asked to be a guest on this podcast. Stay tuned and look out for more with C. Ray Johnson in the future episodes. And I look forward to connecting. Have a wonderful day.